Last week we started this analogy of three chairs. We talked about looking in the mirror of God's Word and what your response can be. Chair number one would be that you could just walk away from here today and you can just forget it, just reject it. Chair number two, we, we, we said last week's the most deceptive, actually the most dangerous is that you could just make some superficial changes, look good on the outside but never really change the inside. Reminds me of a man that uh, was going to the Chicago airport and he was trying to fly out of there and he went up to the counter and there was this young girl behind the counter. He's a couple people behind and there was a guy in front of him that got to the counter. was just a, an absolute jerk and just uh, was rude to the girl, cussed at her, was mad about his seat and mad about his flight time. And I mean, it just went on for, it seemed like 15 minutes and the little girl just stood behind the counter and was just so sweet and so kind and so polite. So when it finally came his turn, he said, Young lady, I've just got to tell you, you're amazing. I don't know how you handled that guy. I mean, you were so kind to him. I I just want to tell you, I'm impressed with you. She said, well, sir, you don't really understand what happened. That man is flying to Kansas City. His bags are going to Mexico City. (laughs) She, She looked pretty good on the outside, but on the inside, something else was going on. And guys, often in our life, we can learn to be religious and we can learn to look the part and do the right things and never really be right. And that brings us to this important third chair, and that's when you surrender your heart to Jesus. When it's not just some motions you go through, it's not a rejection of the gospel, it's when I finally come to the point where I go, you know what, I'm just yours. And we see great examples of this in the Bible. Most famous story in the Bible, the story of the prodigal son. You see, the prodigal son comes to this point where he's in chair number one. He's tired of living under dad's rules. He wants his money. He takes his money. He runs. He, he lives wildly. And I mean, everything is incredible. I mean, he's just having a big time party. And then, then life begins to hit and he runs out of money. And before long, he knows he's really messed up leaving the father's house. And he comes up with this speech. Lord, to his father, I don't deserve to be in your home. Just make me one of your servants. And he comes back, and I'd say he goes to that third chair. He just surrenders. I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you just want me to be a slave, I'll be a slave. And the father honors him and embraces him and blesses him. In the middle of that story, though, we see the second chair brother. That's the older brother. And he's been at home the whole time. And it appears that he's keeping all the rules. But when his younger brother moves from chair one to chair three and his father embraces him, he is royally perturbed and complains and so angry about the grace given his son. Oh, he looked the part. He acted the part, but he didn't have the heart. And so this morning, I want us to talk about how do we get to that third chair? What's the key to us putting ourselves in a position where God can bless us? Let's look at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. One of the most challenging passages in all the Bible, and yet one that might bless you more than anything I could share with you today. Luke 9. Now understand what's happening before Jesus said these words. Jesus has revealed to them that he is the Son of God. And after Peter had confessed that, Jesus said, let me tell you guys, the kind of God I am, I'm the kind of God that can go to a cross and die for you. And you remember, Peter's so mad, he rebukes Jesus. They didn't like the idea of Jesus dying. 
they're not going to like verse 23. Because now Jesus turns around and says, not only am I going to die, but you too must die. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. That's quite a passage there, isn't it? Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What does it mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? I used to read Luke 9, 23 and be a little bit confused. I thought maybe he's saying I need to deny myself a car or a house or a Coke. Just it's, it's something I need to deny myself. That's not what he said. What he said here, listen closely, is not deny yourself and then there's a blank. He said what you need to do is deny yourself. Remember what happened when Peter denied Jesus? What did he say? I don't know him. To deny yourself is say, I don't know him. That's not the issue of my life. Deny yourself, take up your cross. What's it mean to take up your cross? It's not to say you go through a trial the way we use it. To take up your cross is to take up an instrument of death. It is to be willing for you to be crucified. And I love the reminder we were given today, you are to take up your cross daily. This is not a one-time decision, it's an everyday decision because you are following Jesus. And then verse 24, we get one of the great paradoxes of Scripture. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What's a paradox? It's a seemingly contradictory statement that is actually true. And Jesus says, if you go out trying to find life and you go out trying to make yourself happy, the weirdest thing happens, you you don't get any of those things. But if you'll deny yourself, if you'll lose yourself, you will find life. Now look at the contrast here. Here's what he says. The key word to me is the word surrender. How do you get to the third chair? You surrender to Jesus. You surrender. You raise a white flag that says, Lord, I'm telling you, I give up on me. It's all about you. In my life, the the most critical word to help me grow close to Jesus and to straighten me out when I get on the wrong path is the word surrender. It's just a word that comes up over and over is, Lord, Lord, I've I've been working at this thing. I've been trying to figure it out. I'm trying to do it on my own. Lord, I just surrender. I look at the contrast between chair number one and chair number two and chair number three. Chair number one and two, in both of these chairs, my friends, the focus is on yourself. Uh, Chair number one, it's just what I want to do. I don't care what God says. Let me go do what I want to do. This life is about me. Chair number two is about how do I look? I mean, I want to make my church friends think I'm okay. I want to make my worldly friends think I'm okay. And so I'm going to play the part to please people. The focus is on yourself. And listen to me, that's a really miserable place to be, isn't it, to be focused on self? E. Stanley Jones, a famous missionary to India, said this, the most used word in hell is the word I. And to be focused on yourself today is to be in hell today. And that's the problem with both of these places, is they keep you all wrapped up in you. The beauty of of chair number three is that the focus is on Jesus. 
I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to crucify myself. And I'm going to follow him. You see, when you get to this point, it's the point where you finally say, you know what, the biggest issue in my life is not me. It's him. You see, let's just be honest, guys. Not only does what Jesus say here sort of difficult, but it's, it's absolutely true. Uh, if, if we'll be honest in our lives, the most miserable days in our lives are when we're all wrapped up in ourselves. When all you can think about is how was I treated and who spoke to me and who recognized what I did, you know, and, and was my wife as nice to me as she should have been or did my husband really pay attention or did my children honor me? And then you get so wrapped up in self that you're miserable. And, and the ironic thing is the day when you lose yourself and you're like, you know, you know what, I, I, I'm not the issue today. I didn't come to church worried about who speaks to me and who doesn't speak to me and, you know, who recognizes me or not. Uh, it, it's not about me or how, as a preacher, I don't come here today going, well, how good a job do I do today? Man, that's miserable. Or they can like what I would say, or they can come by the door and say thank you. Or uh, I'm telling you, that's a, that's a miserable place to preach, and it's a more miserable place to live. The best days are the days you go, you know what? I really don't care what they think about me. What I care about is what they think about you, Jesus. You are the issue, not me. And I'm saying in your life, the same is so true. When you get to that point where you surrender, you're going to find things you would find in no other way. It's an amazing paradox You receive victory through surrender. You win by losing. You find life by giving life up. And guys, this is the way we get beyond superficial religion. This is the way you get to the third chair. It's when you finally just say, you know what? I I want something deeper than just what I want or deeper than making everybody think I'm okay. I'm going to surrender from the inside out. You know, a word we use a lot in Christian, it's a good word, but I don't think it's sufficient, is the word commitment. We always say, well, we just need to be more committed, and people need to be more committed, and I need to be more committed. And if we were just more committed, everything would work better. Listen to me, I think there's a much better word than commitment is what's needed among us. We don't need more commitment, we need more surrender. You see, commitment can be rather superficial. I can commit myself to something or something that I don't love, I can be committed. Well, I'm going to show up at work every day and leave it and leave at five o'clock. You know, I'm gonna, I'm committed to my work, but I don't. I hate it. Because we can be that way with Christianity. Okay, God, tell me what I got to do. Give me the minimum. How many times I go to church? How much do I need to read my Bible? And God, I'll be committed to those things, but my heart is elsewhere. Guys, the problem among us is not a lack of commitment. The problem is a lack of surrender, because surrender is deeper. Surrender is, I finally give up on me. I don't even think I could do the right commitments. What I must do is I must just say, Lord, I'm so tired of trying to, to, to be me. I'm so tired of trying to figure it out. I'm so tired of trying to do it all right, Lord. I, I just got to have you. It's an amazing thing. And when you get to that point, you find incredible joy. It's an amazing paradox. Let me tell you what I think is one of the greatest acts of surrender. It's baptism. That's why baptism is such a big deal. 
Hey guys, what we need is a, a deeper understanding of what baptism is. Because if you're not careful with the second chair, baptism's just a part of your checklist to make yourself right. Well, if I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this, and I understand it correctly, then I've saved myself. That's almost what we've communicated. And it's so self-focused. And so what happens if we're not careful is, is in the moment of baptism, the spotlight is put on me or you. Well, how are you doing, you know? Did you go all the way under? Did you do? That's wrong, my friends. The focus of baptism is not on you, it's on Jesus. Baptism's the moment where I say, I can't figure it out, I can't do it, I could never do it all correctly. The only thing I can do is surrender to Jesus. And here's what's gonna happen in my baptism. I'm gonna die to myself. I'm dying, I'm giving up on me. The old man's gonna be buried in that water. I'm dying, I'm being buried with Christ, I'm being resurrected with Christ. That's what makes it such a powerful moment. It's not a moment of you making sure you've got it all figured out correctly. You'll never get everything down pat. That's why so many of us have had to be baptized over and over again because we, every time we learn something new, we think we've got to go be rebaptized. My friends, the truth is baptism is a moment of absolute surrender. When I say, God, I can't do it. I can't be good enough. You're my only hope. I surrender to you. You say, buddy, this is a pretty strong teaching. Why in the world would, would I be willing to die to myself? I mean, what's the motivation here? Uh, this is challenging. This is deeper than just saying, you need to go to church, you need to read your Bible. Here's the motivation. The motivation, Jesus says, is you do this for me. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. It's not some weird, just go kill yourself. It's give your life up to him. Now, what would motivate us to do that? You see that line on the screens. He did it for you first. My friend, Jesus is not asking us to do anything for him that he didn't do for us. We serve a self-surrendering God. A God who said, you know what? I'm in heaven but it's not about me, it's really about them. And, and what I'd like to do is I'm going to surrender myself to go after them. And that's what Jesus did. And so when Jesus turns around and says to us, would you take up your cross? He's not asking you to do anything he wouldn't do. That's the kind of God we have. And when we begin to surrender, folks, instead of living selfishly, what we're doing is we're lining up with God. We're following him. Now, lining up is not always easy, is it? Remember this week when my daughter Lindsay went to um, kindergarten, she came home. I said, how did school go? She said, I didn't like it. I said, well, what was the problem? She said, Daddy, they were just teaching us to line up. And I already know how to line up. The truth is, when we got her little report, she flunked in lining up, all right? Because lining up's not so, especially when you're lining up with a God that says, Surrender. What motivates me? What motivates us out of our mind is he did it for us. And Jesus says, not only is this just what I did for your salvation, I have demonstrated to you the right lifestyle. 
And understand this too. When you surrender, this is what makes it victory, guys. It's who you're surrendering to. You're not raising a white flag of defeat. You're raising a white flag of victory because what you're saying is, I'm giving up control. Boy, that's hard for us. That's what these two chairs are about, is I want control. I want control about what I do. I want control about what people think about me. And finally, chair number three is, you know what? I'm, I've been trying to control things and I'm not doing a very good job. I tell you what I'm gonna do, is I'm gonna surrender control. But I'm not just surrendering control just to anybody. I'm surrendering control to the one who loved me enough to die for me. To the one who gave everything to me. And here's the deal. I think he could do a whole lot better job running my life than I am. And that's what makes this so powerful. Well, let's close out on the miracle that happens when you surrender. What are you going to find, my friends, when you surrender? When you finally get to the point where you stop trying to do it on your own and you simply say, Lord, I tell you what, I give up on me. Let me give you four things you're going to find. Number one, you're going to find peace. You're going to find peace. It's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is all tense. He, he's dripping blood from his forehead. Medically, we know that only happens when someone's under incredible pressure and tension. And then he prays that prayer. It's the simple prayer of surrender. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And, and here's what you watch. From that moment on, Jesus never flinches. He has found peace in doing the will of God. And I'm telling you this morning, when you and I get in this third chair and you surrender, you're going to find peace. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a rather driven individual. And I would tell you honestly that peace is a little bit elusive for me. I have a hard time staying at peace. Not proud of that, not happy about that, but that's, that's sort of the way I'm naturally wired. I always think, got to do this, got to do that, got to change this, got to, not good enough here, okay? And maybe you relate to that. But I'll tell you the moments I have found peace are the moments when I surrender. When finally my back's against the wall and I know I can't do it and I can't figure it out and I don't have the solution and I finally just say, Lord, I tell you what, I'm so tired of trying, I just surrender. It, it, you lead me, you guide me. I, I may not be much, Lord, but you do anything you want through me. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. I'm, I'm telling you, it's in those moments where that elusive peace will be a part of your life. And I think that's why Jesus said, you got to take your cross up daily if you're going to have peace. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 51, I die daily. Why? Because if you don't do this daily, you're going back in control. But those moments you say, Lord, it, it's you, it's not me. Because for too many of us, let's just be really honest. It's so natural. The biggest issue of our life is ourselves. And I'm just telling you, that's a miserable place to live. And Jesus says, when you live that way, you will lose life. But when you surrender, you will find life. So, number two, you will not only find peace, you will find purpose. 
when Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done, he lived with a purpose for God. And when you finally say to your life, Lord, I've had these plans about my life, but it doesn't seem to necessarily be working out, or maybe it is working out. Sometimes, guys, we get to this point when it is working out and it's not what we thought it was going to be. And you finally say, Lord, I'll tell you what, not my will, but your will be done. And then you begin to live with a purpose in your life that's bigger than you. I love the old Jim McGuigan quotation. People are crying while they die, not because they're dying, but because they don't know why they lived. You've lived for work and houses and families and vacations and sports teams and you name it, but it's not not enough. You got the house you wanted, you're driving the car you wanted, you got the family you wanted, your sports team won, and you're still not there. You need a bigger purpose. Surrender, not my will, but your will be done. Number three, when you surrender, you're going to find peace. You're going to find power. You'll find peace, you'll find purpose, and you're going to find power. Because there's incredible power when you get over yourself. You understand me? When I walk everywhere thinking about what people think about me, or if I stood up for Christ, what are they going to do? If I, there, there's, there's such inhibition to that. But when I finally just say, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you, there's power. Paul, Paul puts it this way, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. There's incredible power in being filled with God. And that brings me to the last point here, is when you surrender, you will find presence. The greatest thing is when you get out of the way, God can come in your way. Someone said it this way, when you get to the end of your rope, you get to the beginning of God. That's the beautiful thing about this, is when you finally get out of the way and you get off the throne of your life and you say, Lord, I tell you what, I, I, I give control up. I, I want, then he moves in and he takes over. Now, this is a tough thing to do. Probably the hardest thing, greatest challenge for us and yet, in some ways, it's an easy thing to do because you're finally saying, I don't have to do it. I just have to be available to you. I like the story of the, the two boys who went to swim. They were swimming in a river. There was a lifeguard there, and they both didn't know how to swim very well. And uh, they were sort of walking out in the water, and one of the little boys went a little bit too far, and, and he began to, to drown. And his friend, who couldn't swim at all, didn't go past because be scared. So he, he ran up to the bank and he came up to the lifeguard and he said, Would you please go save my friend? He's drowning out there. And the lifeguard said, Yes, I'll do that. And, and the boy is out in the water and his arms are flaying everywhere. You know, he's kicking. And the lifeguard just sits in his chair and the kid, the friend is screaming, Go save him. Go save him. And he just lets him flay around a little bit until finally the boy in the water is still. And then the lifeguard jumps into the water, dives in the water, rescues the boy, brings him to shore, and he lives. But his friend is still perturbed. And so he goes up to the lifeguard and said, what were you thinking? What were you waiting on? My friend was going to die out there, and you just sat there in that chair when he was flaying about. 
And the lifeguard said something really wise to him. I could not save your friend until your friend had given up on saving himself. If I'd gone in and tried to rescue him in the middle of that, he would have pulled me under too. But when he finally gave up, I could rescue him. And my friends, that's what God is saying to you and I today. If you'll finally give up on you, he can rescue you. What brings you to that point? Today, you may come to this assembly. No one may know this, but let's just be really honest. There may be some of us today that you are broken. Your life is so messed up right now. And maybe internally, you're miserable. Could I say this to you? This may be the best point you've ever been to in your life. Because this could be the moment of surrender. And maybe it took this trial, or this sickness, or this difficulty, or this loss, for you to finally get to the place where you're going, oh my goodness, I just cannot handle the way things are going. I've got to give it up to you. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you have every reason to be happy right now. All of your life has lined up well. But you don't have joy. And you don't have peace. Despite the fact this is what you work for. And let me say this to you. You're going to find peace and purpose and power and the very presence of God if you will surrender to him. We've mentioned one way you could surrender today. One way you might need to surrender today is in baptism. If you've never been baptized, if you've never finally said, you know what, I can't do it, but he can do it for me. And you go back in this baptistry where the focus is not on you, the focus is on the cross of Jesus Christ, and you are buried with Jesus and resurrected to a brand new life. You say, but let me go home and figure this out more. I, I need to know more. Under, no, 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 no. Baptism is not the ending point. It's the beginning point. It's not because you've got it together. It's because he's got it together. It's not because you can straighten your life out. It's because you need him to straighten your life out. So today, right here in this assembly, you can be baptized. The other act, I think, biblically of great surrender is the act of prayer. Prayer is the point where you readily admit that I can't do it. Why would you pray if you thought you could do it? And today, maybe what you need to do to surrender, to arrive at this third chair, to arrive at peace in your life, is, is to come before the church today and say, would you guys please just pray because I'm trying to do it and I'm not doing it well. And the only one who's going to save me, think about this, the only one who's going to save me God, it's certainly not me. I'll never forget a man years ago walking forward in a church. His name was Steve Goolsby. And he walked forward, and this was his confession. I loved his confession. I raised the white flag of surrender. I give up on me. I gotta have Jesus. And today, not as a sign of defeat, but a sign of absolute victory because of who you're surrendering to. Are you the person today 
who needs to raise that white flag. You say, oh, buddy, what, what would people think about me? Or what would the people think who's sitting beside me right now? That's your problem. That's my problem. Do you get it? We're too worried over here about what people think. Who cares what they think? They're not the issue. You're not the issue. Jesus is. Make him the issue of your life. And it'll be a whole lot better. So if you need to surrender to him, why don't you come as we stand together and sing?